We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday, um, a game day, as it were. The Knicks are playing the Detroit Pistons tonight. Uh, when you're hearing this, I believe the Pistons will be without uh, Cade Cunningham and Killian Hayes, so... Takes uh, whatever pizzazz was going to be there for this game uh, right out of it. Um, but the Knicks are good and uh, they have been playing well. And uh, that is one of the many reasons why uh, the conversation I had on today's podcast was a treat because it was all talking about uh, mostly good stuff. Um, and that conversation, of course, is with the new beat reporter uh, for the athletic covering the New York Knicks. Uh, Fred Katz. So Fred Katz is actually a returning guest. You heard him uh, on the show at some point last season. We had him on, I think, when the Knicks were playing the Wizards a couple times. I think they played them back to back, if I recall. Uh, We talked about the team when he was covering uh, Washington at that time. We talked about Bradley Beal. We had a great conversation. And as I as I told Fred uh, after we stopped recording, I just have to say, as I mean, Vork is as much as we uh, I joke with him sometimes. Vork is amazing. Mike Vorkanoff uh, is as gifted a writer as there is covering or that was covering a team, you know, today. And I can't wait to see what he comes up with next at the Athletic. But uh, that said, when I found out that it was going to be Fred Katz now covering the Knicks for the Athletic, uh, I was thrilled because Fred is also as good as they come. 
he did a fantastic job covering the Wizards for three years, and before that, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And uh, he's only been on the beat for a couple of weeks, but he's he's already put out some great stories. Uh, the most recent one on the uh, three point revolution happening within Madison Square Garden, or, or so it would seem. Um, and we talked about that. We talked about R.J. Barrett. We talked about um, what kind of offense the Knicks are going to have this year. How he's like covering the team so far, and then we we actually finished up by talking a little bit about the Wizards and Bradley Beal, and and I thought Fred had some really interesting stuff to to offer there. So all in all, really great conversation and uh, a good way for us to uh, ease our way into tonight's uh, third preseason game. Uh, before we get to that conversation, though, I did want to comment ever so briefly on. What is happening in Brooklyn? Nick fans will know that I don't usually talk about the other team in the city. Uh, and that's because I don't really care. Uh, I've made my opinions known on the Nets uh, pretty clearly over the last few years. I think I, I they were my pick to go to the finals last year. Uh, they're... Uh, I don't know if I've officially said it, but they'll, they'll be my... Or they were my pick to go to the finals this year. And then, and then today we, we got some news Um, or Tuesday, I should say, as I'm recording this, we got some news, which is that uh, Kyrie Irving is apparently not going to be a part-time player for the Brooklyn Nets, but he's, he's going to be a, uh, a non-player, a player who plays no games for them. Uh, Because as is well-documented at this point, Kyrie Irving does not want to get uh, vaccinated, and uh, so his choices are, or rather the Nets' choices, I should say, were to have him play in road games only, um, other than road games in locations where they also have vaccine mandates, uh, and then uh, not not play home games. Um, and the Nets decided not to do that, and they released a statement on Tuesday stating that we uh, we don't have interest in having a guy who's not here all the time, and you know we want to preserve our culture and uh, this, that, and the other thing. I forget what words they used, um, but Kyrie's not going to be with them until uh, he gets vaccinated. I like again, don't really care too much about what's going on over there. Um, I will say that. I think the Nets are still probably going to be my pick. Uh, if you put a gun to my head right now and you force me to pick one team to win the NBA championship, I, I it would either be Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Um, maybe I would give the edge ever so slightly to Milwaukee now, um, but it's close. And then just because I have a ton of respect for Kevin Durant as a basketball player and um, and a fair amount of respect for James Harden as a basketball player at, at even at this stage of his career. And I just think the Brooklyn Nets have a lot of good players. Um, That said, that said, there has never been a time in my life when I have been happier about the fact that I don't have to root for a particular player um, or team, quite frankly, or, or team than right now. And, you know, during some of those lean Knicks years, uh, you could look at situations around the league and be like, man, wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be convenient? Uh, Simpler, perhaps, 
if I got to root for, you know, whatever other team was going on. And like, look, we all, when the culture stuff was on full throttle in Brooklyn, uh, when Kenny Atkinson was first there, I guess not when he was first there, but like, actually, you know, when he was first there, because that stuff really ramped up even when they were losing a lot of games and Sean Marks and the whole thing. Like we as Nick fans all poked fun of it and, and like, oh, the media's latching on to this because they like Marks and, um, you know, the, it's a it's a bunch of nonsense. Like something real was happening there. Um, but and this is where I'm going to transition. There was this notion um, that when June, what was it? June 30th, 2019 came around and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving decided to um, sign in Brooklyn. Uh, there was this notion, and I f- certainly felt it that day and in the in the days that followed, and it was probably reinforced with how things started in the 2019-20 season in New York. Um, and yeah, I guess in Brooklyn, although I didn't really pay attention. There was this notion that they basically chose Brooklyn because of the culture, and they were swept up in this thing that Brooklyn had built. Um, even though much of that, not much of it, some of it was torn down to get those guys. D'Angelo Russell obviously was shipped out and, um, you know, and then at time, more time went by and more players were shipped out and, and Kenny Atkinson was, was fired. And now th- there's basically nobody left on the team that was there, uh, when Durant and, and Irving arrived. And which is why I just want to make the point very clearly, like, well, a couple points. One they didn't they didn't go to brooklyn because of the culture they went to brooklyn because they wanted to play in new york and they wanted to go to an organization that they essentially had full control over and that has been reported it, you know there was an entire book written about the nets that came out recently from the author is escaping my name at the moment and i apologize to him i have not read the book but i'm familiar with its contents um, you know, they wanted to go to a place where they had an easy time basically doing what they wanted to do when they wanted to do it on their terms. Um, and, and to that end, what the Nets did yesterday was the first time in, you know, I guess what, two years that they they put their foot down and they said, no, this is and, and look, maybe there wasn't another opportunity where they even felt they, they wanted to or needed to. Although, I mean, it was sure nice that Kyrie could take a vacation uh, last year and say it was a mental health break and then go do what he wanted to do in his spare time. And certainly didn't look like um, anything to do with mental health, but I digress. Uh, Whatever. They put their foot down here. That's a thing. Um, But just to look from afar and to see this situation where it's an organization clearly clearly kind of at odds with itself, you know, trying to hold the last scraps of what its, you know, what its identity once was and reconcile that with, you know, what is what is obviously a championship roster and what sacrifices do you need to make? And I'm not you know, I'm not saying this is exclusive to them. I mean, I think every this is what, you know, star players command this level of power. This isn't just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like LeBron James has come with caveats for his entire career. 
Um, there are there are other guys like the, you know the Giannis's of the world and the Nikola Jokic's of the world are very rare, um, and which is why we should cherish those guys all that much more. But that said, um, and this is the other point that I wanted to make, like any, and I don't think these notions still existed after the Net, the Knicks did what they did last season, but like any lingering, like oh. You know, we're still the losers because we didn't get those guys. Those guys didn't pick us. They wanted to go to the other team in our city. Any notions of that, any remaining notions of that that exist in the in the Knicks fan base, uh, you could just go. I mean, I, again, I don't know how much they were even still there. But even if, like, you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, you know, I would never admit to it, but there's still a part of me that's like – you know what? I kind of like Kevin Durant on my team because he um he's really good and he might be the best player in the league and he might they you know they might win a championship this year. For my two cents, I think any notions of that have completely gone out the window. Because the notion that like again the the very fabric of an of an organization is kind of being torn apart um because they there's just a player who wants to do things his own way. And like, I don't think this is over with this statement. Like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are best friends or they were best friends. And like, I like how, how does that work moving forward? And like the fact that he's, you know, Kyrie has kind of been given carte blanche to be Kyrie and like all of the, you know, Durant, Harden, like all of those guys, they got what they want with the coach. They got what they've gotten, what they wanted every step of the way. Um, and now it's like coming to a head. And now suddenly uh, there's a situation where somebody doesn't get what they want. And it's like, wow, that sucks. Um, I just, I, again, the Nets may win the next two championships, the next three championships. It, and and maybe it'll be all worth it for their fans. And you'd have to ask a Brooklyn fan um, if and when that occurs. But just to to turn around and look at what the Knicks have managed to do and what the Knicks have managed to build organically and to now sit here and no, they are not a championship contender as currently constituted. And and I am not about to suggest that they are, um, but they're a really good team. Um, and I think they're going to be fun and they're going to give us something very proud to root for. And to just contradict that with, what has happened on the other side of the river, as it were. Um, it's just pretty interesting. And um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything other than that to say. Um, so I will just leave it at that. And uh, on that note, let us get to my interview with the uh, B reporter for The Athletic covering the New York Knicks, Fred Katz. Joining me now. Um, not a first time guest, although the first time guest in this capacity, uh, I could talk about how he is the Knicks beat writer for uh, the athletic. I could talk about his many other accolades uh, covering the NBA, but I'm just going to say he is the reason that Leon Rose came out and spoke to the media because finally the evil, evil Mike Vorkanoff got taken off the beat. And Leon Rose said, now finally I could talk. I could talk because Vork, is no longer here. I want to talk to Fred Katz. So Fred, hello. Well, I'm sure that's how you feel too. 
You're like, I can finally start voicing my opinions on this podcast. Vork is gone. The tyranny. Nowhere to be seen. It's over. It's over. <laughs> Happy days ahead. No, obviously, we, we Vork, as, as we've all talked about the best, um, he's amazing. And, and he graced um, his presence um, or, or graced us with his presence many, many times. Um, and now he is off to do some covering of NBA business. So we have you covering the Knicks for the athletic. And I have to say um, so far, so great. I've been loving reading every day um, or almost every day um, with uh, again, there's not, well, let's start there. There hasn't been a whole lot to write about, right? I mean, it's been pretty, I don't know, smooth sailing, hunky dory in Knicks land so far. Yeah. The the nets have the market cornered in the city on perfect storms. Apparently it, it would um, seem so. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. We were just talking about that in the media room today about how the Knicks are just the stable one right now, which a few years ago, what, what world is this? Who saw that one coming? Yeah. I mean, you know, New Orleans Noel has been dealing with a knee injury, but it sounds like he's going to be fine and, and could play on Wednesday. And, and, you know, Mitchell Robinson has the injury also. And, and yeah, I mean, the feels like the biggest news out of the Knicks is that they're playing well. They're taking a lot of threes uh, and, and that's kind of it. It doesn't make for uh, unbelievable radio unless <laughs> you are somebody who is obsessed with three point rate, which I kind of am. So I'm pretty excited about this job. Well, listen, I, 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 I too am excited about the next three point rate, especially uh, since the, it's for the next, if you go and like, look at like the, different streaks they have about how long has it been since they have been out of the bottom 10 and like this stat or that stat there's, there's a few um, three point rate uh, is, is up there. I think uh, 13, 14, I I'm pretty sure that year they were not in the bottom 10. And then since they've, they've been pretty terrible um, and you, that's your most recent piece that you wrote about, about how they've been jacking up threes. I'll just ask. And I think it's a completely an opinion question because what do we really have to go on other than two fake games and and um some Derek Rose comments. Do you think this is real? Do you think this is here to stay? I think they will take more threes than they did last year. <laughs> What's a <the> start? Uh, <laughs> they they were 24th in in three-point attempt rate last yeah. year. That's just the percentage of shots they took that came from beyond the three-point line. And I think that's going to go up. I I think they have a concerted effort to make more or to take more, I should say. But I think more importantly, the personnel is different. I mean, Kemba jacks up threes. Fournier is going to be good for six, six and a half threes a game. Uh, and, and then you even look at the evolution of the personnel they have. Yeah. RJ Barrett is not going to take three, four, three point attempts a game this year. Like, no. I, I really don't believe that. I, I think he's, he's going to be at six attempts a game, may, maybe more. Uh, he just, he looks so much more comfortable putting it up on the catch now, especially from the wings. I mean, what's really interesting is that he's evolved as a three point shooter in kind of a normal way that a non three point shooting guard would. He's just done it extremely quickly. <laughs> there was a point where he wasn't comfortable shooting threes at all. Right. And then it was like, Hey, Arch, RJ looks pretty good catching and shooting from the corner. That that's pretty real. He looks, he looks a lot better there. And then it's okay. He's taking some from the wings now and, and he's yep. putting them in, but he's not doing it at a ridiculously high volume. And then it's okay. He's taking four a game and, and, and making them. And now it's like, I don't know. I think the RJ Barrett stuff in the preseason is real. Uh, I know he made a, 
made a concerted effort to change his shooting form, you know, a couple of years ago. And, yep. and it seems like that's made just a, a massive difference. And I, I, I think the RJ Barrett improvement is, is going to be a real thing. And I think his comfort level around the three point line seems like a real thing. So, so I think they'll, they'll, they'll take more, but Hey, Tom Thibodeau, you mentioned the Knicks history. Tom Thibodeau has never coached the team in his nine full seasons as a head coach. That's been in the top half of the league in three point rate. So, so that would be a new one for Tibbs too. Which is amazing. It's funny. I was reading your piece uh, today and it gave me some fodder to, to think about something to write for, uh, for tomorrow or for Wednesday when people are hearing this, because you mentioned the Knicks are also playing a little quicker, um, which is something else that Tom Thibodeau teams, despite having for uh, almost two full years, like an, in his prime um, Derek Rose, I know Rose was hurt a little bit during that, Tibbs second uh, full season in Chicago. Um, but like, they've always played slow. Um, it kind of changed that, that last season in Minnesota and they're playing quicker now too. I'm curious to see how that goes as well. Let's stick with RJ for a second, because. In can like I, can new- I say something about the pace real quick? Please, yeah. So just adding on to that, their biggest problem last year was not actually when people talk about pace, they just look at like possessions per game and they see yeah. who ranks at the top of the league in pace and that's it. And I hate, I hate that stat pace. I think it's a BS stat. Okay. It has absolutely, it has absolutely no correlation to winning. Oh, I, that I completely agree with. Yes. It has none. People talk about every year. People talk about, we want to play faster. And then you look at the, the pace leaders and that's not what playing fast should be. It's not how we should judge playing fast. I think the Knicks can play faster and finish with the exact same pace. Uh, in part, because number one, they want to string along possessions on the other side of the floor and force late shot clock possessions on defense, which hurts your pace. And in part two, because I don't think the Knicks need to fast break more. Like they don't have a fast breaking team. They don't have a lot of guys who are excellent running. The, I mean, it's not like because you bring in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, all of a sudden yeah. you're, you're running up and down the floor. What they yeah, need that's to not do, their... Yeah. Right. What they need to do is, is their strength is that they have ball handlers now, which means they'll be able to get into like second side actions and that kind of stuff as long as they have the time for it. So what they need to do is make sure they can get into their first actions and get into their sets with like 19 on the shot clock instead of 14 on the shot clock. So if something doesn't work, they swing to Fournier on the weak side and he can do something or Barrett on the weak side and he can do something. There's time to run another pick and roll, all that. And that, I think that will make a huge difference in their offense. And, and that is the type of speed that they've been playing. They've been bringing it up the floor and they've been able to get into their sets quickly. And I think that has been, uh, a, a re- that will be a really important thing for them this year. That's a, it's a fantastic point. Um, and it's something I want to spend some time thinking about because like, I, I just, you know, watching the game again, it, it's a, it's a preseason game against, um, no offense to the team you used to cover. Um, not a particularly great team. Um, but, uh, their three point defense in that game. I I went back for that three point piece that I wrote. And there were some possessions where like the Knicks just brought it up and just swung to a dude. And there was just like they just weren't guarding him for but, absolutely no reason. But so what I what but it's if see, that's the thing though, is I and this may just be my perception because like you watch, you know, you watch a team night after night after night after night. You're like, it all starts to blend together. Last season felt like a Knicks team that just as a matter of course, if there was 
14 seconds left or maybe not if there was like 16 17 seconds left on the shot clock they just weren't putting it up like they were going to pass the ball more and the other night you know you saw like fournier kept whoever rj whoever it was it's like if they had room it didn't fucking matter what time it was on the shot like they were putting it up and that's what i think as long as they do that again i don't care if they're still last in pace as long as they just take the shots when they're there and to your point you know they just have more guys that can you know it's funny because like Alfred Payton could put the ball on the floor. I mean, say what you want about him. He could put the ball on the floor. Reggie Bullock could shoot, but Reggie Bullock couldn't put the ball on the floor and Alfred Payton couldn't shoot. And now you have in Fournier and Walker, both of those guys could do both of those things. I just, well, that's a good transition. What is your ceiling for this team as an offense? Like, cause I, you know, Nick fans are like, they're going to be a three seed. And I'm like, well, if you're a three seed, that means you probably your top 10 in, in both or pretty close. Like, I don't know that I see top 10 offenses. They're ceiling. Maybe where, where are you at? I don't think they're a top 10 offense that, that, that would be, that's really good. That's really good. That would be a strain because I do think there'll be a top 10 defense. I know there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, adding Fournier and, and Walker to the mix and what that does to kind of just your ability to stop the ball at the top of the key. But I just feel like the backline defense is good enough and they just played on such as they, they outplayed their defensive talent last year. And I just feel like that is what Tibbs teams do. And I'm just betting on that happening again. I, I think the three point attempt thing is real in that they'll take more. I don't think it's going to be a situation. Also remember the whole league is going to take more. The, the oh, yeah. Warriors took like 907 threes in, in a game the other night. They, I saw that. I was looking where the Knicks ranked and they were, they were like taking 44 a game. They ranked right. <laughs> Every single year, three point attempts go up across the yeah. league. So there's kind of a natural bump. So they're going up compared to where they were last year, but how much will they go up relatively for the, you know, compared to the rest of the league. Another thing they have to do is you, if we're talking top 10, they got to get to the free throw line more, which they did they were, not do nearly enough last year. No, I think they were 16th in free throw rate last year, which is like, that's got to come up. You've got to find ways to get to the lane and get it up. And I, that's not something I see changing all that much. Who on this team is all of a sudden going to become a free throw glut? The only guy that I see, and you brought him before, and I was going to ask about him next is RJ. To me, RJ is the guy that can eventually get to, I don't know if it happens this year. I think he could be a six, seven free throw attempt a game guy because he just, I mean, he has the build. He goes in there frigging how many times a game? Um, he should be able to do that. Does he do it this year? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. He's he's. If I had to pick one, he's probably the guy. But like Kemba, Kemba's not going to get to the line a ton. I hope he doesn't. I don't want him to be banging around down there for sure. For Fournier is like he's fine getting the line. He gets there what three and a half times a game or something like that. But he's fun. He's going to get there way more than Bullock. I think took yes. 71 free throws in two years with the, with the, with the wizards. I'm falling back on <laughs> all habits with the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, but, but he's, you know, it's not like he's a guy who's going to get there all the time. Uh, the bigs aren't going to get there a crazy amount. I just, Mitch, I don't, yeah, he's not, it's not where he's at. I, I don't see this team really, you know, quickly doesn't really quickly stops before he gets to the rim. The floater is great, but the problem with the floater is that, it, it doesn't get you free throws. And my big problem with floaters is that they're great as a secondary option for a guy who goes to the rim, 
And for such a young player, it's so nice that he's refined enough to have that shot. But ultimately, you want his first option to be able to get all the way to the rim because then you get layups and you get possible fouls out of it. I asked Tibbs about that last year and he completely shot me down. He's like, no, we like that shot for him, which I I mean, I'm sure they want to instill confidence and I I totally get it. But I'm like, he was in the, I'm sure you're on cleaning the glass just, you know, as as much as I am. Like he was in the third percentile at shooting shots at the rim for guards. Like that's not, you got to get a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and he's a rookie and sometimes rookies just struggle to, get to the rim and, and a guy with, you know, his ability to, to handle and, and create momentum and pick and rolls going downhill, all that kind of stuff. Like he might be able to get better at that, but I don't think he's a guy who's going to get to the line all the time. So like ultimately if, if they're not a team, if they're at best the middle of the pack team at drawing free throws, maybe middle of the pack taking threes. uh, I think they're going to be able to have some good moments, but but I, I don't know. I, I don't see this being more than like a middle of the pack sort of offense, but a, but a good defense. To me, if they hit 12th, we should be throwing parties and, and, and parades because if they're if they could get even maybe not even 12, maybe just like 12, 13, but somewhere in that bottom top half of the league, you know, range. And then if the, I mean, again, I don't expect the defense to be whatever it was last year, third or fourth in the league. But, you know, sixth, seventh, like. Again, you want to be in that top 10 net rating somewhere. And, and so at least you could talk yourself into doing I some mean, stuff. The other thing that has to come into the conversation is that the two point guards both have bad knees. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's not like we, like, are you going to, you can't sit here and predict that Kemba and Rose are both going to play 65 plus games, right? Well, that's why I'm, people are wanting, keep wanting me to say, oh, the Knicks, predict the Knicks are going to be the three seed or they're going to be a top four seed again. I'm like, I, I if I knew how many games they were going to play, I'd be happy to do that. I, I, we don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's tough too. Uh, but I, I would say they're probably somewhere in the 15 to 20 raise in, range in points per possession. That's mm. my guess. It, well, I, you're, you're, that's the smart money. We'll, we'll see if they can out kick their, their coverage here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You brought up RJ. Um, RJ is, is just is fascinating to me. Um, I feel like I defend him in terms of how he's, I guess, perceived around the league, or at least how it is perceived that he is perceived around the league. And then I have Nick fans that also will will tell me like uh, that, that I'm killing the guy. Just like before you came here and started covering this team, can I just ask you what was your perception of RJ Barrett as a as a prospect, as a player, what do you thought his ceiling was? And and has that, has that changed at all? My perception of him completely changed last year. Okay. I, well. I did not love him as a prospect when he first came into the league. I didn't love him as number three overall pick. Uh, and then he had his rookie year. He didn't make free throws. What was his true shooting percentage as a rookie? Uh, he had a why do I want to say it was like 44? Something or was that his effective field goal percentage? He had maybe- a forty-four percent effective field goal percentage as a rookie, which and then is it like, jumped up to forty-nine last year. Yeah, That's and 48 percent true shooting percentage, which is like not what you want for a guy whose main thing is he's going to score. That's a disaster. Uh, and then he just improved so much, mm-hmm. like. I think sometimes there are certain guys like to me, the really hard part of scouting and and when I get like amazed with NBA scouts. So I feel like, I feel like I watch enough basketball to where I can, I can look at a guy and I can watch him in college and I can see him hit a lot of threes. You'd be like, Oh, that guy's going to be a really good three point shooter in the NBA. I can see him get a lot of rebounds. I'm with you. Guys, that guy's going to be a really good rebounder. Rebounder, yeah. The amazing part of scouting to me is when scouts are able to watch a guy play and they say he's not good at that now at all. And there are no obvious signs by anyone's measure that he will get good at it. But here's why I believe that he can get good at it if he works on it with us our way. Uh, Can I stop you there for a sec? Because you've been covering the league for a while and I want to pick your brain on this. If he works on it our way, do you think enough teams pay? I'm asking you to make a, a very big generalization. Do you think enough teams pay attention to those two components? Because it's like the work ethic, but it's not just the work ethic. It's the work ethic with how we do things in our building, however that may be. And I guess it's different for different teams. I feel like, is that where teams go wrong? Because that's something I've spent time thinking about. And I just don't know the answer. Yeah, it's probably dependent on which team you're talking about. I mean, there are, there are some teams who, you know, I think the best example off the top of my head is probably the Spurs drafting Kawhi Leonard, mm. where they have Chip England there, who is, you know, this extremely well-respected assistant coach who's great at working with shooters. And, and Kawhi couldn't really hit a shot at, at San Diego, at San Diego State. And, and Kawhi would hit shots in high school and, and his shot kind of became broken in college, right? Or at least broken by 
you know, NBA standards. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Spurs kind of adjusted with him and worked on him and, and, and he becomes this, you know, all world player and excellent shooter. And, and that's kind of the Spurs saying, Oh no, we can, we can teach this guy how to shoot. We know how to work with this. We figure this out. We watch the high school tape. We know what's going on here and we know how to fix it. And that's kind of the positive example of it. I mean, I think it probably takes a good amount of self-awareness to be able to pull that off. Right. Yeah. Because if you say, if this guy can do this thing our way, but your, uh, your way is terrible, then it's not, it's not really going to work. I, I mean, Kevin Knox is still on the roster. We'll see for how much longer, but like, again, but is that, is that an example? Like that kid had talent. I, I didn't imagine that that kid had, there was something there. I don't know what's there, but again, who, where's, where, where do you proportion the blame? I, I don't know the answer. Yeah. On Knox. I mean, I've, I have no idea. I have no, I, I'm, I, I will say that my, my belief tends to trend always towards the player. Okay. Uh, and probably smart. And, and with RJ who I've look, I've been covering the Knicks for two weeks. But, but with RJ, uh, you know, he, he works with Drew Hanlon, who's a very respected trainer. Uh, and I, I know some of the stuff that they had worked on with, with, uh, you know, his shooting form. And I've been told by about 12 different people that he's always in the gym and you start hearing all of this stuff and you start to hear how much these people around him respect his work ethic. And then you start to see the results on the court. It's like, well, he's getting a lot better. And everybody says that he works really hard and he's not just getting better at these things that like he was great at. And then he just kind of had a slow start and they start to get good at them. He's getting better at these things that he used to not be good at. It's not yeah. just the shooting. I mean, he's, he's moving well around dribble handoffs. He's, he's gotten really good at those like dump off bounce better. passes. Yeah, yeah. His feel is good. Like he's, yeah. he's gotten really good at those dump off bounce passes to bigs. Like he's, he's just reading better. You can tell he's watching film. You can tell he's absorbing the game faster. It's just, it's extremely obvious when you watch him play compared to what he was as a rookie. And and you pair that with all the stuff you hear about how hard the guy works. And it's like, all right, like probably not a coincidence. <laughs> Those two things are probably correlated. Yeah. Um, it's something I've, I've paid attention to over the last year as um, specifically as Julius Randall emerged as what Julius Randall has emerged as is the, you know, because the organization, I, when they drafted RJ, they, he was front center, third pick in the draft, obviously the whole, the whole thing. And then last year, I'm not saying they like put him on the back burner, but Julie, it was like, you know, Tom Thibodeau would say it like Julius is our leader. It's, it's Julius is the guy. And then we all rally around Julius and the whole thing. And I'm almost wondering how they're, and this kind of gets into the PR angle of it. I, I almost wonder how RJ is going to be positioned this year, but to the extent that they have control over that. And I, I don't know that they do. Um, I don't know. Are you interested in that at all? Or is that, you don't care. Just in terms of like hierarchies, you mean? Yeah. Just like you, I mean, teams, they have messages, you know, you know, this better than anyone. Like teams message what they, what they want. I, I'm wondering what the Knicks put out, I guess almost is, is kind of like how, how they, want us to see it, you know? I guess that's true. I mean, Tibbs is the thing is that Tibbs is their ultimate spokesperson, right? Like Tibbs yeah. is the one who's up there every day. And and Tibbs's ultimate line is everyone's interchangeable. <laughs> Everyone there is interchangeable. That's his line, right? Yeah. Point guards, they're Kemba and Rose, they're they're interchangeable. 
Yeah. You know, all all these guys, Barrett and quickly, they're interchangeable. The bench unit with Burks and 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 Barrett and Rose or uh, Burks and quickly and Rose, like they're interchangeable. It's fine. Everybody's interchangeable. So uh like I, I feel like with Tibbs specifically, you kind of just he just kind of sucks that sort of angling completely out of the conversation. And he's really their sole spokesperson. So um I I don't know. I don't know how that part of it will develop, but I know Tibbs is just he he doesn't care about that. Um, do you like covering Tibbs? I like asking him bas- like nerdy basketball questions. Yeah. Like I asked him about um, RJ Barrett setting screens for Julius Randle, inverted oh, pick and rolls. That's, I didn't hear that one. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I thought he gave a really interesting answer about guards being uncomfortable guarding the back ends of pick and rolls and, and bigs being uncomfortable guarding the front ends of pick and rolls and, and how they can use that to their advantage. And a little, little hint that will be in a story later this week. So. Uh, giddy up something to look for. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, that's the one thing I always went back to. But when he got hired, people would be like, oh, he's lost a step. He's not a good coach. Like when you hear him talk, it's clear that he's forgotten more about basketball than like any of us will ever know. Um, a couple more and then uh, you've been great with your time um, because you're awesome. Uh, but I don't want to keep you for too long. Um, just I, I do want to ask you, you spent how many years covering the Wizards? It was three. Three years covering the Wizards. Three doing the Wizards and and parts of three seasons doing the Thunder. Um, I I felt bad. The Thunder were thirtieth in, in Zach Lowe's um, uh, league pass rankings today. I, I, I want to pour one out for Oklahoma City. It's 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 the right decisions. It is the correct. correct. It is the correct decision. Um, but in regards to the winter, in regards to the Wizards. I don't know where I'm getting this from. I'm not getting it from any place specific. I just feel like I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read what old media people write and stuff. It feels like there's an unspoken, not understanding, but I guess expectation is, is the simplest word that Beal's going to extend. Do you have the same impression? Extend or resign? So, uh, n- well, no, because ex- he could he could sign the he, sorry he can so, sign, sign an extension. Yes. He, he can sign a four-year extension Today. this month. Yes. Yeah. Or or he can wait until the end of the year and then and get a five-year yes. deal, which the total deal would be like 50-something million more. Okay. So I I don't know why, but I feel like nobody is is thinking he's going to be on the... Maybe that's a better way to put it. Nobody thinks he's going to enter, actually enter the market. Do you expect him to actually enter the market or do you just expect it, whether it's now or next summer for the money, he's he's just going to be a wizard for... No. I, I'm not totally sure. I don't think he knows yet. Really? Uh, oh, I wow. will okay. say that he... Or I should say I'm not sure if he knows yet. Um, okay. I would be very surprised if he signed the four-year extension. That I'll say. I do not think he's signing the four-year extension. I would okay. be shocked if he signed the four-year extension. It, it just doesn't make fiscal sense. Uh, you know, that's that's something that if he can sign, he can sign like five years, two hundred and forty million, versus four years, one eighty in the extension. That's a $55 million player option. It's not nothing. 
he's taken that $55 million player option. I, I don't know what he's going to decide. I think he's been really conflicted because I think his heart is in DC. And I you also said that think, you've written that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I also, I mean, look, this is what's, what's, what's cool about covering Beal is it doesn't really take anonymous sources because you just ask him and he tells you in quotes that you can write what he's thinking. Awesome. Uh, so it makes the reporting easier. So you can, you know, you can see stories that I've written, which, which aren't according to anonymous sources. This is what's happening. It's, Hey, Bradley Beal told me what he's thinking. And, and yeah. here's what he told me. Uh, and, uh, and with, with Beal, he, he cares a lot about power and authority within an organization. And, and he cares about being kind of a central figure within the organization. And, and he cares a lot about being a central figure within the history of the organization. Like oh, I, I know he cares about more than just getting his number retired. I think he, he should know at least that if he left the wizards today, his number will probably be retired one day. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think he cares about more than that. Uh, he's a big believer that not all titles are created equal that, that fighting it out for 13 years. Like he loves the Dirk Nowitzki title. He loves really? the Yeah. He loves the Dirk title. That's fucking awesome. He's really That's so inspired. cool. I didn't know he's, that. He's really inspired by the Dirk title. Uh, title. I was uh, in in shoot around and in on opening day in Dallas in 2019. They were playing the Mavs, and during his entire media availability, he was just. It was the first day that the Mavs unveiled the Dirk silhouette on the court, and he was just staring at the Dirk silhouette. And he was great. after the scrum. I was. He was talking about like, that's what I want. That's what I want. So that that kind of stuff, like he he doesn't just want the retired number. He wants the silhouette. He also wants to win. And, uh, you know, I think if the Wizards were winning 50 games every year, I don't think this would be a discussion. Sure. You know? Yeah, of course not. Uh, I, I think the issue is that he wants to win. Um, and so I don't I don't know what he's going to decide. I don't know if he has officially decided. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I mean, I. He's chosen to stay at every opportunity. He already extended once. So yeah. he hasn't asked out. He's, he's chosen to stay at every opportunity. Um, so if you put a gun to my head, I, may, maybe I just stay that he stayed because that's been the right answer every time so far. Uh -huh. but, but who knows? It probably depends on what happens this year too. You know, if this team just totally flames out, then, you know, who it's knows? It's just it, the the historical part of it. it just and it, it's perfect transitions. My last question is: I was going to ask you about the, the NBA's seventy uh, fifth anniversary team they're coming out with. I because I've been like doing research and whatnot because I want to you know trying to put out like a list and like the title of greatest greatest Washington basketball player. I was about to say wizard in history. I feel like it's it's Wes. But it's but Elvin because Elvin Hayes was only there for seven years. He started his career elsewhere. He left and then finished his career in Houston. Is it considered unsold or it is? Yeah, it's unsold. It's unsold. Okay, because I don't know. I, he's at the very least. So when I when I would write about unsold, I would refer to him as the most decorated player in Washington history. Okay, because well, um, yeah. he has he what he has that that Elvin Hayes did not, that Gilbert Arenas does not that uh, John Wall does not, some of the other great players, Bobby Dandridge does not. Uh, Earl Monroe started his career there. Uh, a couple of, couple of uh, nice playoff battles with the Knicks. Yes. What, yeah. 
what Unseld has, first of all, he has a regular season MVP. Yeah. And second of all, he has the only finals MVP in franchise history. Yes, he does. Uh, he played his entire career there. He was there for 13 years. I mean, to me, it's kind of a, it's kind of a Jeter A-Rod argument oh, where it's like, it's interesting. if you're talking Unseld <laughs> versus, hey, it's not that they had that sort of relationship, but just to equate it to a New York analogy, it's kind of a Jeter A-Rod thing where it's like, yeah, I mean... Maybe not me. I mean, I guess it's it's less extreme than Jeter Arod because like obviously Arod was the better player. But but who in their right mind is gonna look back on Jeter and Arod's legacies and ask who's the better Yankee and who's yeah, gonna no say one. Arod? Yeah. It's a great no call. One's gonna say Arod. Uh so even though it's like you're like, who's the better player? And you're like, well, Arod's the better player, but no one enjoys saying that. So well that so, so this is interesting because Beal then I think if he does really spend the rest of his career there, maybe he has an outside. I mean, he's not winning MVP, but he has a know. chance to be the best player in franchise history. It yeah, is not right? a story franchise. You know, the last time they won 50 games, uh, wall never did it. Uh, I don't believe he never did. Um, is it, did it happen during the seventies? Yeah. 1979. Okay, so the year after they won the title, or was it two? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, the year okay. after. Yeah. 1979. They haven't won. It's the longest streak in the NBA. They haven't won 50 games in 41 years. <laughs> yeah. So Beal could become, if he decides to stay there, and at some point, look, their immediate future is not great right now. But I think Tommy Shepard has done a, a, a pretty... I- Admirable job as GM. I like what they did. I love. I mean, I'm a, I'm on record. I'm a I'm a Dinwiddie fan. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. He he needles the Knicks to no end, but I think he's a good player. Right. Beal's 28 years old. Who the heck knows what happens in three years? He's always mm. the most optimistic person in the room about the Wizards. And maybe they become good in 2025, and he's 32, and he's still there, and he's he's leading a really good team. I mean, mm. that's his chances of playing for a really good team are significantly higher if he leaves. But yeah. I, I think sometimes we don't, um, I don't know. It's easier for me to look at players as people. Cause you just get to know them when you're on the beat. But I think sometimes in, in the, the public eye, people forget that these guys are, these guys are people and, and they're as much as everybody wants to win there, there are more important things to people uh, like relationships and sure. that kind of stuff that can be more important than just getting a ring on your finger. But well, Julius Randle, I mean, I'm sure he's not discounting the possibility of a ring in New York, but he talked a lot about, you know, why he resigned here and, and sounds like the whole atmosphere had something to do with it. Yeah, there's um, nothing wrong with that. No, I don't think, listen, I mean, look, happiness, I'll, you can't put a price on happiness. I will state right now. I'll take a happy life over the athletic winning, like a group journalism award. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding me? I, I'm taking money over the group journalism award. I'm yeah. taking I'm taking lifestyle. I'm taking any individual accolades. I'm no team player. Like, <laughs> taking all of that. It's crazy. It's crazy. These guys are people. There are other things that are that are yes. just as if not more important. As competitive uh, as they all are. No, you listen, you, you nailed it. Um I was going to ask you if you had any, yeah, do you have any, before I let you go, do you have any 75 uh, greatest players, hot takes, or have you, do you not really think about oh, this? Oh man, much? I honestly have not thought about it at all. Okay. I, 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 just, I don't know who spends time thinking about this stuff and who doesn't. Um, I'm curious to see what the list looks like though. So we'll, we'll wait with bated breath I'll, together. I'll look at it. I'll probably have some sort of 
take okay. after I say it. So save your, save your, throw, or remember throw, your take. Throw Wes Unseld Sr. on there. Wes Unseld Sr. better be on there. It's funny because, again, not that my opinion means anything, but like when I first approached it, I was like, I'm not sure if Wes should be on. And then by the time I was, I think I had him roughly in like the low 50s, around 60, something like he has to be on. He just much, has to be on. Much better than his counting numbers. Yes, that sure seems like it. Su- um, superior, like a, like a, like a Draymond Green of his day. That's yeah. Except he won an MVP and Draymond did not win an MVP. Yes, and a finals MVP. <laughs> and a finals MVP. 10 years. Of, and, and that's the thing, the span of time that it, it shows his, his greatness. Okay. Uh, you've been awesome. Uh, can you please, um, for, I, I, I always say this, if you're listening to this podcast, and I feel bad because we ask for people's money with the Patreon. I have the newsletter that you subscribe for, but I, I never feel bad making this plea because if you are not subscribed to the athletic, you it's, what are you doing? It's, it's the, so tell, tell folks where they could find you and your stuff. Yeah. So you can, you can check me out over at the athletic, the athletic New York now. Um, yeah. And you can, you can find me on Twitter at Fred Katz. If you just, I guess, click on any story that I write, you can just sign up, uh, you know, off of a link over there. And I'm on the athletic NBA show every Tuesday with Sam Amick and Anthony Slater, just talking around the league stuff. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks that's, for having me on, man. I oh, man. This was fun. Well, hopefully we didn't scar you too badly and we want to come on again. Uh, but uh, no, this, this was great. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, and uh, yeah, we will certainly talk again very soon. Okay. That was my interview with Fred Katz of the athletic. I hope you enjoyed it. He is uh, a great guest and we enjoyed having him on uh, and you could look forward to us having him on many more times in the uh, intervening months and hopefully years. Um, and hopefully he sticks around for a while and is covering this team for a good long time because he's very good. Um, moving forward, we have, a mailbag. I don't know if I was supposed to reveal that, but I'll reveal it anyway. We have a mailbag coming later this week. I'll keep a lookout for Chris Persianen as he always does soliciting questions on, um, on Twitter. And uh, also obviously post games, there will be a uh, post game after both tonight's game and Friday's game. And then uh, before you know it, baby, Real basketball. We're less than a week away, or we are a week away, I should say, because they play. They open the season next Wednesday against uh, Boston. We look forward to that. Final uh, two shameless plugs. If you are not a member of the Knicks Film School Patreon, uh, get on that. Uh, we're doing a bonus Patreon episode. So in addition to the the extra episode that we do every week, next week there will be an extra extra episode. Um, on our Patreon service for um, our second tier and up in which uh, we will be talking about the league at large. We will be doing a wins draft and uh, we're doing some some predictions. And uh, I just am, I think tomorrow putting out our um, episode with me talking about my top 70 player 75 players of all time. Spent two hours recording that with uh, Mr. Claudio and I have to say it was fun and I could have gone for two hours more. Um, and the other shameless plug, uh, Nick's Film School newsletter, really ramping up the the coverage in there. Every day is there's clips, there's stats, there's analysis, there's thoughts. And uh, all this week I've been writing about my my top 75 players of all time in there going a little bit more 
um, in depth. Uh, so subscribe to any and all of those things if you would like. And I think that is it. Enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk to you soon. I'm Andrew Claudio. And I'm Bernard Ozerowski. And this is our brand new movie podcast, Final Review. Each week, we'll pick a different movie that is widely considered one of the greatest of all time. And determine just how great it actually is using 10 different top five lists. For example, The Dark Knight might be great, but is it even a top five Christopher Nolan film? Or Blade Runner might be an all-timer, but is it even a top five Harrison Ford performance? At the end, we'll add up the movie's total score. And see once and for all where it lands on the all time pantheon scale let us know how much you agree or disagree with our rankings you can follow the show on all social media platforms by searching final review pod new episodes drop every thursday on itunes spotify and all the other major podcast streaming sites final review part of the blue wire podcast network subscribe now wherever podcasts are available everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.